Witch. I'm your host, Blue, a tarot reader, teacher, and witch, and you can find out more about me at bluejunetarot.com. Mystic Witch is a podcast about magic, divination, and all things supernatural. Prolific author Judica Illis is today's very special guest. While she is best known for her myriad of published books, she's also a tarot reader, a certified aromatherapy consultant, and New York native. She's an editor for Wiser Books and currently resides in New York City, still writing, editing, and leading the occasional workshop. Welcome, Judica. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So, I know you favor tarot as a divination system. What tarot do you feel represents you and why? What tarot card? Oh, my God. Um, Probably two of them. The first is the Queen of Cups because I am a water sign. I'm a Cancer Sun, Scorpio Moon, and I am a divining woman. So that card, I, I always identify with that card a lot. And then the Moon card, which is probably my favorite card in the whole deck and I've always been surprised you know people tell me sometimes they're afraid of that card but I love that card why would anyone be afraid of that card you know when I was reading um and I I know we'll talk about it especially when I was reading a namaste um people would tell me which cards they were afraid of and you know you you think it'll be like death or the devil (laughs) but 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 no a lot of people you know, the moon frightens them maybe because, you know, you know, the nighttime scene or the fear of the unknown, uh, the hangman, uh, which also surprises me. Um, you know, it, it's people's fears are really interesting. Well, the moon is pretty mysterious, I guess. So, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> well, you know, people are afraid of witches and people are afraid of magic and people are afraid of all sorts of things. I read at a it was a booksellers convention in Georgia where I, I read for a whole lot of people who had never seen a tarot card before, and they were afraid to touch them. It was very interesting. <laughs> it was fun, you know. I'm always really amused by people who are afraid of, to touch them or, mm-hmm. you know, but I also appreciate the people who are just being respectful. Like, is it okay? Can I touch your cards? Oh. Well, these are actually, you know, some, some very, very brave women who um, had, you know, grown up and were working in environments where they had been taught this was, you know, the, the, the devil's notebook. And they were, they, were, they were being brave and venturing out and taking a look to see what else was out in the world. And I was very grateful and, and you know, blessed to have been their guide. Risk takers. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so as you mentioned, uh, you used to work at the spiritual bookstore giving that I currently read at. Um, (laughs) For people who are not familiar with New York City, if you ever see um, news stories or photographs of protests or 
any sort of political action, quite often it is at Union Square, which is uh, one of, you know, New York has actually got quite a bit of green space, Manhattan. And uh, the store is right, it's, it's right by 14th Street, and it is, it is a hub, hub of activity, hub of excitement. There's a lot of, you know, really, um, it's a lot of energy there. So yeah. the store is right there, and it, uh, it was very interesting to read there because people, you know, it's not like a destination store. I, I, I taught at a store in Massachusetts last month, Avalon Rose Cottage, and if you don't know where Avalon Rose Cottage is, and it's a, it's a great store, it's hard to just stumble on it, but Namaste is right next to this really busy area. And so, you know, tourists were always coming in or just just people who just happened to be walking down the street and were attracted by, you know, it's beautiful, beautiful windows, beautiful crystals. And they they would just come in and, you know, it was it was a very interesting place to read. It can be pretty challenging, too, with how busy the store gets. You know, what was that like for you reading in a high paced environment? I love to read. I really love to read, and um, most of the time I read on the phone, you know, and it's very serene. But, I mean, I've read in all sorts of situations. I used to be a, you know, I used to work on a psychic hotline. I've done parties. I read at a bar once, um, in a busy bar. Uh, But there, there is an excitement, and it is... I, I always think it, it just sort of reminds me of, you know, ancient temples where, you know, the legends are that the courtesans had to service whoever showed up. Um, because reading at Namaste was very much like that. I, I would come in, I read from like 12 to 6 every Saturday for quite a long time. And although I had regulars who came in every week, often I had no idea, you know, who was showing up what sort of situations they would have, what kind of a readings, what kind of readings they would need or desire. And it, it, it was, it was, it was exciting. I, sometimes it was fun. <laughs> some, so sometimes it was, it was fun. And I met some really fabulous people. Um, sometimes it was stressful because, you know, it was right off Union Square. Um, and, and, you know, people, all different kinds of people would come in, you know, people maybe who should have been seeing a therapist, not a reader. Um, so, yep. you know, it's an interesting, and I don't, I don't say that to discourage anybody from coming in. It is, it is a really good experience to have a reading in person. That That's something that I think, you know, especially now I see people get email readings or all sorts of stuff. It's not the same thing as having that one-on-one intimate card reading there there's something very sacred about that for me so i love doing it i i i miss it you know not always <laughs> but but i miss that i i miss that that um it is a little bit of boot camp you, you know having to you have to be able to to serve whoever comes in whatever their needs and some people are fluent in the language of of tarot and divination and some people are afraid and some people, you know, people come in with all sorts of expectations and, you know, we do our best. Yeah. 
You know, and I think uh, the reason why I said, yeah, the way I did about people coming in and, you know, when they maybe should have seen a therapist, the great thing about it is that comes up in the reading. Yeah. I'm able to say, you know, it's going to help you so much to work this out with, you know, a professional. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sensational media, to the contrary, I would say most readers are very much invested. They're clients' happiness and health and prosperity and um, are not, you know, there's all these sort of, you know, stories of a terrible scam people or take advantage of people, exploit people. And, and not that that doesn't exist, but that certainly exists in any profession with pharmacists and physicians and attorneys. So, you know, scammers, scammers are scammers. But in general, I, I, I find that readers... Are, are very solicitous and will, you know, if somebody does need medical attention of some sort, they'll tell you. So do you still offer consultations with clients? I do. I do. I have, um, I have people I have read for, for over 20 years and I, it's, I wear a lot of hats and I do a lot of things. I'm an author. I'm an editor. I'm a teacher. I can't imagine not reading yeah ever <laughs> as long as I can but but yeah I mean most of my readings now you know because I'm writing sometimes when I'm in a store you know when I was at Avalon Rose Cottage I did readings there um, when I when I go to a store I'll do readings if I go to a conference sometimes I'll do readings but in general I I have private appointments usually on the phone and I'm clear audience so I, I really like doing that because I, I I find the phone work very, very helpful. And I, I think that's some of the best work that I do. Yeah, sometimes it's much easier to connect when you're in your sanctuary and you have that freedom of space and energy. Yeah. At least in my experience, people think that it's going to affect the outcome of the reading if they're not there in person. And I'm trying to convince people otherwise, this is something that you can do from the comfort of your own home and sometimes even get a better answer. <laughs> well, I think you, in some ways, you are there in person. It's just a different kind of contact. You know, speaking with, there's, there's a real concentration where, where you're just speaking with someone and you have their voice in your ear. It's very concentrated and it, it's very liberating. Sometimes people will say things to you um, or will feel free to to speak very honestly with you, and not the reader necessarily, but the the, the querent, the person getting the reading. Um, sometimes it's more liberating to be able to talk with someone when they're not sitting in front of you. And I, I did for for a couple of years. I worked as a, I worked on a psychic hotline. I was you know I don't know one nine hundred psychic or whatever it was. <laughs> but you know I did the graveyard shift for about two or three years, and um, and and I did have you know people who would call back and ask for me, but it was the same as in a store that same sort of thing where you didn't know who was calling you, and um, it, it it can be very helpful. I think I think if you're by yourself speaking with sort of a disembodied voice. Sometimes it's very, you feel free to actually speak about what you, what, you know, what is it that you're really calling about? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, uh, like you said, you wear many hats. Uh, you, you occasionally still teach a workshop I do. there. I do. Do you happen to have any coming up that we can promote? I do. Oh yeah. I mean, I do. I mean, I, I'm sort of more or less taking a hiatus now, but that's, 
That's because I'm writing another book and my books are big and I, I can't, you know, I've had times in my life where I've done a lot of traveling and I've gone various places on a very regular schedule, but I'm not doing that right now because I have to, I have another, you know, for people who aren't familiar with me, I write not all my books, but a lot of my books are very big. And by big, I mean thousand pages. And I, I am writing uh, another one right now. So that has taken my time. But I have I have a great trip coming up. I am going to go to Tarot Fest in Switzerland. And I have never been to Switzerland. And I am so excited. It is being held at the, at the Hexa Museum Schweiz, which is the Witchcraft Museum in Switzerland. Uh, it's a I'm told approximately, well, I'll know more when I come back, but approximately an hour from Zurich. And there is a great, great conference. I am teaching a class Friday evening on Marie Laveau, who is, you know, the queen of voodoo, queen of New Orleans. And I have, my first book was published in 2001, and I have been writing about Marie Laveau. I think I mentioned Marie Laveau in virtually every book that I have ever written. And I'm very excited to be teaching a class about Marie and her. Her, you know, I'm bringing some. New, I'm bringing some New Orleans to Switzerland, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I'll be doing readings at the event, and teaching a class about using tarot cards and magic spells at the actual conference. And Carrie Paris will also be there, who I love, who um, is you know, for people who are not familiar with her, she. Um, she's also a card reader and, and uh, she creates these uh, casting, these sort of charm casting oracles that are amazing. And I love her and I never get to see her. So I'm, I'm very excited about this. Yeah. And, then I, and then after that, I'm going to take a break for a little while. I'm going to take a break from teaching because I need to finish this book. And, you know, then we'll see what happens after when the book is done, you know, where I teach or what I'm going to do. When I do readings, some people, I, I, you know, I have them on my website as readings, but I basically, I, I sell my time, my time and my knowledge. And so sometimes people, you know, will ask for a private class or, you know, some spell casting instructions or, you know, discussions. Um, and so I, I sort of do all of those and I, I do them privately and independently over the phone. But it's, it's pretty special to teach in person. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about teaching people one-on-one? Well, I always learn something too. I always learn something, you know, where, wherever I teach or whoever, I, you know, whenever I do a reading, there's always a tiny little insight for me. It's like the bonus for the reader. Yeah. And yeah, you know, um, and when I, I teach in person, people with their questions and their reactions, I always gain new insights. And so that's exciting. And I feel that for millennia, it's not even centuries, for millennia, the magical arts and divination and animism and veneration of spirits, practical veneration of all sorts of deities and spirits, it's been suppressed, um, you know, at best suppressed, at worst, really persecuted. And I feel very blessed to be able to bring this information to a greater audience because if we talk about it and we teach it the more we talk about it and we teach it the harder it is to suppress it and history tells us you know there we are living in this renaissance right now where here we are you know speaking with each other about what it means to be a card reader but 
that's rare. And I, I, I'm a cautious person and I, I, I do worry about the future. So through my writing, through my teaching, I feel that by, by spreading this information, it, it's a way of, of keeping it safe. Thank you so much for sharing that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Judica Illis. Hey, Mystic Witches, this segment is from the broom closet, and I am sorry to make a very abrupt announcement, but this is our season finale, and we will be going on a very short hiatus. However, how long it is, I cannot tell you. I'm going to be traveling around Salem and New Orleans and interviewing people in those locations, and I can't even promise that we won't have an episode next week. So just stay subscribed. We could be back any minute. Trust me, we are not going anywhere. I would let you know. (laughs) Well, I'm going to also be teaching some classes in New Orleans. Uh, I wanted to let any of our listeners know that are down there um, that I will be there from June 25th to July 23rd. And my classes, if anyone is interested, the first one is a divination salon, and that is going to be at Botanica Macumba. And it is on, let's see, it's on June 30th. Divination salon, not in the traditional sense where you go in and you pay various different professionals. No, this is you. You're the reader. Um, We're going to do a quick little background, history, and how, too. And then you will each get a chance to read at every station uh, about six or seven different kinds of obscure types of divination. So it's going to be really fun. Okay, so I'll just tell you what types of divination we're going to be doing. Some sortilage, some scrying, some cartomancy, but it's also going to be botanomancy. We're going to do psychography. We're going to do bibliomancy. We're going to do palomancy. So if you don't know what those things are, come on down to the class or make a trip to New Orleans. (laughs) It's coming up in a couple weeks, so It's cool. If you can't make it on short notice, maybe you can come down for July 19th, examining symbology of the Smithwaite. We're going to go over the entire deck's symbology and a little touch of the history if we have time. We're thinking about three and a half hours. The Divination Salon is $20. The examining symbology of the Smithwaite is $30. Uh, both classes start at 7 p.m. Uh, and the examining classes at Academy Nostique. Very excited about doing both events. And I hope that I can meet you and see you at both classes. If not, uh, you know, I will be in town for an entire month. So just shoot me an email over at mysticwitchpodcast at gmail.com.
So we're back with Judica Illis, and I totally forgot to mention Francis Denny, and I feel like, what's wrong with me? That's how we met. <laughs> Do you want? That's funny. I almost mentioned it too. I almost mentioned where we, where we met. Yeah, I talk about. Yeah, we it. met at a clamp. So we met. Was it last year at the art opening for Witches of New York by Francis? I Denny? believe. Yes, I believe it was last year. We met at the opening. And what a great night that was. That was an amazing show. It really was. She's an incredible photographer. It was an honor to be a part of that project. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was... Francis Danny. I actually emailed her the other day to thank her because that's where you and I met. And I also met yes. Lilith Dorsey. Yes. I met, I met a lot of really amazing witches yes. that night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that was amazing. I... We, um, for people who aren't familiar, if you look at Francis Denny's website, I, as of recently, uh, the, the photographs were up on her website. She'd photo shoot of with, and it is so, so profound. And I, you know, it was such an honor to be included. And the opening for the, for the gallery was at, at Clamp Art in New York City. So, you know, the New York City contingent showed up. And, you know, that was, that was, that was, uh, that was uh, a room with some energy. Uh, there was, it was packed. That space was wall to wall people. And there were spilling out in the street. Yeah. Really important people were there too. I mm-hmm. was <laughs> pleasantly yeah. surprised by the turnout. Yeah. Francis, yeah. Is, yeah. She's yeah. going to go on to do some really great things. I can tell. Francis is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and especially, I, I hope I hope it will be published as a book because um, the, the photos individually are beautiful. Yeah. But when you look at them all together, it's um, you know I mean I, I I I know I've used the word profound before, but it really was. Uh, it, it was that was it was a hard photo shoot for me. Mine I did mine at Greenwood Cemetery. And in Brooklyn. And he, I, I'm a smiley person. I smile very easily. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and Francis, you know, didn't want me to smile. And that was, that was hard. Um, but when you went into the gallery and there were just, we were in this room with, you know, where you're surrounded by the faces, you know, all the, you know, you know, the resting witch face. I, I understand why she did that. It was, that was... She had a vision, and it's really incredible. Yeah, I think the idea, well, what it what it portrayed as was you really saw the in the eyes with a mm-hmm. serious expression. You really read the the power, the power of mm-hmm. these of yeah. these individuals. They're giving me chills. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, and just to see everybody in these different habitats and uh, life's life's lives, it was mm-hmm. so incredible. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that it's the diversity, yeah. Yes, the diversity. I'm hoping that it does become a book as well. Um, yeah. So, you know, you're very well known for your encyclopedia series books, uh, you know, of, of, of esoteric and occult information. And I know that you became an esoteric writer by accident due to yes. a chapter that you wrote in a fertility book. Yes. And, and it was just a chapter, right, about magical spells. Yeah, um, I, you know, I, 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 I was, you know, 
I mean, not to be pretentious, but, you know, effectively I was born in a cultist. I've always been interested in witchcraft and divination and, you know, I'm the baby of my family. <laughs> so, um, well, you know, my, my, you know, my closest sibling is 12 years older than I am. And so people brought things into the house I wasn't really treated as a child. I was the only child. I was in a family with a lot of adults, and they were adults with spiritual interests. So we had astrology books, and my sister brought home tarot cards and numerology books. And, you know, living in New York City, we had access to bookstores. And, you know, so I didn't have to go searching for it. It, it was there from, yeah, you know, you forever. You started reading at like six years old or something, right? Well, and- I, I, I got a deck of cards. I didn't start reading for other people. And, you know, you got to be careful with children because children, um, historically, children are often considered um, excellent oracles. And in some ways they are because they're honest, but in some ways they're not because they're honest and tactless. You know, children, children part of being a good reader is the ability to deliver messages to people in ways that are helpful. Hopeful, yes. (laughs) And and children often can't do that because they, they don't, they haven't lived enough. They don't have perspective or insight. So, you know, a kid may tell you the truth, but they may tell it to you in a way that's devastating. So I did, I, I, um, I, the first time, and I mean, it's so vivid to me. The first time that, that I saw a deck of tarot cards, I was six. And I know that very clearly because it was right when my sister started college and she was 18. You know, when my sister was 18, I was six. Um, but I I worked on those cards forever. I, I read and studied and, you know, practiced and just really, really worked very hard to I loved them and I wanted to comprehend them and become fluent in that language. So that was very important to me. And I was just interested in, you know, I came wired like this. I I just interested in any type of witchcraft or magic. It it just was always so fascinating to me, but that's my life's work. And that was very private. It wasn't necessarily something that I shared with a lot of people. That was just what I did. I did not, intend or expect to become a metaphysical author because, you know, there. by the time I was old enough to write, there were already a lot of books out there. And it didn't occur to me that, you know, there was room for another author. But <laughs> but um, I what I love to do is research. And I had my own infertility situation that was resolved. But I was hooked into the topic and I started exploring all sorts of approaches to boosting fertility, healing infertility beyond medical technology. And I mean, I have been doing this now since about 1988, so it's a long time. Um, wow. You know, so herbal remedies and magical remedies, and spiritual remedies, and a lot. And there was a point in my life where I realized... I'm sitting on all this information and it probably would be very useful to a lot of people. You know, what am I going to do with it? And um, I taught a couple classes. This is when I was living in Los Angeles, but I I decided I was just going to write it down and I didn't know how to write a book. I didn't know how to get published. 
And I just, um, it took me six months to write a proposal. And then I was terrified because if it took me six months to write a 35 page proposal, what if somebody actually wants the book? Little did I know. Um, so Mm -hmm. I, I sat down and, and, and turned out a thousand page manuscript in three months. Um, just because, you know, what if, what if, what if, well, that manuscript has been incredibly lucky for me, but no one has ever wanted to publish the book yet. Uh, somebody, it was turned down and I'll, I'll explain why, but there is a chapter in it of magic spells for fertility. And a lot of these spells are now in my book, Encyclopedia of 5,000 Spells. And, you know, I've, I've mined some of the information for various, I have an encyclopedia of saints and an encyclopedia of spirits. And, um, you know, I've, I've mined that manuscript and, and used it in my, my other books. So, so the information, you know, it's not in the context of the original book and there's a lot more information I, I haven't been able to share yet, but, but it's, you know, if somebody's interested in the topic, they'll find information in there. Um, you know, somebody liked the chapter of magical spells and asked if I would turn it into a book on spell casting, which is now, it's been through various incarnations. It was out of print for a while. And every time a book comes back into print, publishers change the title. So the book was originally called Earth Mother Magic, but is now known as the Big Book of Practical Spells, which is a course in spell casting. You know, no agenda other than to learn how to cast spells. And there are spells for various goals, fertility, money, safety. You know, uh, the the problem with my fertility manuscript is the way books are sold and marketed. If you, not necessarily in a small bookstore, which may play by their own rules, but if you go into a larger store, you know, Barnes and Noble or when Borders was around or similar, they are divided into sections. So, you know, you've got your fiction, you've got your mysteries, you've got your in a tiny little occult ghetto, uh, you know, you got history books. And the issue with my book is where will they put it? Where will it be shelved? Because it is a book, you know, do you put it with the fertility books, which when I first started writing, that wasn't even a section, but there's a lot of spiritual information. So then do you put it and, you know, and I'm an author now who is associated with metaphysical topics. Do you stick it over there? And because it doesn't pigeonhole easily into any category, there is a hesitance to publish it. So, you know, I I could probably take out a section of it and just call it, you know, herbs for fertility, and they'd put it in the herbal section. But a, a lot of it is holistic. You know, the herbs are also associated with specific goddesses. Like if you talk about myrtle, you're going to talk about Aphrodite and once you're talking about Aphrodite, well, there are spells associated with Aphrodite. So for me, it's a whole holistic topic. And, you know, I tell them it's not going to be sold in a bookstore anyway. It's going to be sold by mailing list, um, you know, online. But, but you know, what do I know? I'm only an author. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I hope one day, I hope one day that it will be published because, you know, every couple of years I try and I'll, I will probably try again once this current book is done. Um, good, good, because I want to see that book get published. I think it's an important piece of work. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's funny because I did not expect that to be the answer. I was going to ask you why it's still an issue being published. What did you think it was? 
I had no idea. I really didn't assume anything, but that would was was really far from my concept um, of just being hard to shelve. <laughs> I, I, w- I used to be really depressed when it was, and it's interesting because it's either it's often turned down. Like every time I send it back out into the world, I send out a proposal. It comes back. No, we don't want this, but we like this part. Or could you do this instead? And you know, in it, it has been fertile for me. You know, things come out of it, but not that specific book. And I used to be very depressed about it and angry. You know, I, I was turned out by publishers, and as an editor, I, I I try to be very gracious with my turndowns because people can be very mean, and you know, it's almost insulting. Like I, I had a publisher just you know, sort of blow it off. Well, we can only publish, I don't know, this many books a year and we can't do yours. And then I went into a store and I saw the trivia that they were publishing. And on behalf of my topic, you know, that information is based on thousands of years of mainly women, you know, because women's lives for a long time, and even now, depending on where you live, lives and well-being are dependent on their capacity to have children essentially, you know, on command, you're supposed to spit them out when people, t- you know, when you're expected to spit them out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there are places where you're not traditionally an adult. You don't have rights unless you have a, a child. Um, there's, there's, oh, there's a great book on, it's actually on the goddess Mammy Waters. And I cannot remember Flora. I think it's Flora. I think Flora Nawapa, she's, a, a, I believe, a Nigerian author, um, has written about, you know, n- not being able to have children and, and what this does to someone's life. So this is not just, you know, I feel like having a baby and I guess I can't have, you know, it, this was something that was crucial for, again, for millennia. And this information has been passed down and passed down and it's precious and it's important. And even if we're not going to use it exactly the same way, it, it, it should be out there because it, it will help somebody. Um, so I used to be really angry about it. Over the years, it's been explained to me by agents and publishers what the issue is. And I, I like to think that at some point, the bookselling industry will catch up to this book and there will be a, a place for it. Yeah, I would like to think that too. What we need, I think, is some like feminist, uh, esoteric publishing company. To it's, 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 it's not that simple. It's, it's not that the publishers are even being negative. It's that it costs money to, and, and this would be a thousand page book. This would be a book like 5,000 spells. So this is, you know, people will email me, you know, you know, can you, can you, can you tell me how to do it? But it's like, there's, there's so much information. It's, it's not like, it's not like something I can like break down into, you know, summarize in a Facebook, you know, message. Um, the issue is the way books are sold. In order for a publisher to stay in existence, they, 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 the books have to be sold. So it's it's not really the publisher's fault. It's more the whole. I don't know that it's any individual's fault or even the store's fault. There's a system that is in place. And I, I think we'll just, you know, it's, it's, it's the Aquarian age and there's the internet and you know, the way we watch TV and watch movies has changed. The way we buy cars has changed. And I think the way we sell books will also 
will also change. It, it's just, it's inevitable. And I think it will benefit books like mine that don't, don't pigeonhole easily in, yeah. in a simple category. <laughs> I understand. It's, I have a feeling, I have a good feeling that it will uh, publish <laughs> in your lifetime. From your lips to the goddess's ears. <laughs> <laughs> so you did mention that you are currently writing another big book. Yes, I'm crazy. Yes. <laughs> uh, my thoughts exactly. <laughs> but uh, I know you can't really tell us a lot. Oh, but- yeah, I can tell you some of it because, I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it won't be out till next year, but it's it's already it's already there's no cover art or anything yet, I think. But it's already up for pre-order. Um, you know, I've seen it up for, you know, well. And to tell you the truth, I didn't see it. Various clients have told me they pre-ordered it and they went looking. So the, the, the working title is 365 Days of Magic, and it is a magical calendar. It is a calendar of spells and rituals for the whole year. Um, because as with the fertility book, you know, I, I started doing that for myself. I started researching for myself and then got hooked into it. I find that for somebody with a busy life, um, I lose track of days. Like I, I have to be reminded is, is, you know, you know, what day is today? What's the date? Is it, is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? Is it, you know, so like, I'll know like somebody's birthday is, you know, August 15th. And I, I know their birthday is August 15th, but I look at the calendar and, oh my God, it's, it's August 22 already. Um, how did that happen? I, I found that if I, actually wrote out calendars for myself that I was more likely to do rituals, especially for a solitary person. I I was more likely to do rituals. There are certain spells that can only be cast on certain days of the year. I I, I didn't miss them if I wrote them out. And then I, I thought, well, you know, I bet other, this would be helpful for other people. And, you know, because I have my son in the sixth house and I, you know, I live to serve. So um, I, I started doing it and I, I got, you know, and I got the idea that this would be a good thing to publish. And, you know, and, and, and the publisher agreed with me. And so we're doing it. But as with, you know, my books, you know, it, it all starts out so simple and then they they just take on a life of their own and get bigger. <laughs> <laughs> They get bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's called 365 Days of Magic right now. I don't know if that will be the final title, but I think that's, and that's pretty much what it is. So, you know, if anybody wants to go online and pre-order, you would make my publisher very happy. <laughs> I guess I'm sure they're not happy with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so they can go on Amazon right now and pre-order. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I think if you put it in under the title, it will come up. If you put it in under my name, the books that are already out, will, I mean, it, it may not show up for a while, but if you stick 365 Days of Magic in there, you'll find me. All right. All right. So you said you do still take consultations. Is there a way for people to book? I do. Yeah. I have, uh, I have uh, little buttons, little PayPal buttons on my website, which is myname.com, judicaillis.com. Um, you can email me. You can, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not hard to find for better or worse. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I, I'm on Instagram. I'm on, I'm, I'm on a little less right now just because I'm, I'm, you know, I work and I also write around the clock. So sometimes mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, 
when I'm not writing, I answer faster, but, but I will answer. Um, and you know, and, and if you, and if you book a reading, I'll, I'll, I'll answer even faster because I know that's very stressful for people, you know, to, to, to pay for something blind without contact. So, so I, I try to be, I try to be very good and answer people quickly. Yeah. And how can people find out when you do have some uh, workshops coming up in New York? I, I post, um, I post on Facebook. I post on Twitter. I, I post, I, I post like all, on all my social media and that's probably the fastest way right now. Other than Switzerland, um, that that's really all that's on my calendar for sure right now. I, I, I may be teaching in New York just because it's local. Um, you know, I, I taught at Veramit in Brooklyn last year and had a really good time um, doing it. We had this great class on symbols. Um, so, you know, you know, maybe I'll do that again or teach someplace else. I'm really looking, you know. So New York is easy for me just because I'm here. So, Judica, thank you so much for taking time with us today and talking to us. I really appreciate it. It was lovely having you. Thank you. I really had fun. And and we should do it again. Let's do it again. Yay! (laughs) Mystic Witches. Follow us at Mystic Witch Podcast or email mysticwitchpodcast at gmail.com.